I realize it's only been two days since Christmas, so the tree's probably still standing and lit, and the holiday leftovers not yet grown too stale or boring to eat. There may even be some remnants of gift wrapping still hiding in shadowed corners of your living room, waiting to be picked up and carted away someday. You might even still be humming Christmas carols, and you've not even begun to plan out your trips to return clothing that didn't fit, or, or you're just waiting to exchange it after all the gift givers have finally gone back home. But give yourself a few more days, and you'll likely begin to feel the spirit fade, and what you'd so long anticipated will become Christmas past, and it'll be time to go back to work or school again, back to the everyday, the routine, the, the normal, at least as normal as anything can be anymore. After having a baby, they, they call it postpartum depression, and it can be a combination of fatigue and imbalanced hormones and just the profound letdown of how you can feel after a big event is over. Months of anticipation led up to the joy of delivery, but then can come the unexpected time of how do I move on from here? Actually, it's not uncommon to experience the blues after many of life's big moments. You, you climb a mountain, but then have to come back down to level ground. You, you enjoy the ecstasy of an exhilarating moment, but then you have to return to the ordinary. The reality is some of you may be suffering from the beginning of a little bit of seasonal letdown right now. Christmas is over. You couldn't wait for it to come. But what is there to anticipate now? When I was a child, my, my family would usually make a trip to uh, Louisville, Kentucky for Christmas. That's where most of our closest relatives lived and where we'd always enjoy a week or two of Christmas celebration, one with each side of my mom and dad's families. And it was always exciting getting ready for the trip and, and the journey there, even if it took hours to drive, crossing hundreds of miles, was always worth it. But the trip back home, that was another matter. Never did the hours seem longer or the miles farther than after Christmas was over. I guess the road back from the most high-level moments is often the hardest traveled. The mountaintop always more exciting than the valley. With all this in mind, you may be curious as to what it was like for the shepherds after the exhilarating experience in Bethlehem. You recall how the midnight of their lives was invaded by angels' song and the announcement that a Savior had been born. How the adrenaline shot through their veins as glory to God in the highest echoed over the plains. And before their racing hearts could even think about calming, there was soon the sight of that linen-swaddled baby lying in a manger. But when they finally had to make their way back home, or rather back to the hillsides and their waiting sheep, what was it like for them then? after Christmas was over. In reading the shepherd's story in Luke's gospel, I'm struck by the fact that their joy did not quickly fade. The record says in chapter 2, verse 17, after 
After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about the child. And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they'd heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Or as the message puts it, seeing was believing. They told everyone they met. And the sheep herders returned and let loose. I love that image. Let loose, glorifying and praising God for everything that they had heard and seen. It turned out exactly the way they had been told. I'd suggest that the seeds for dealing with after Christmas is over are found in these three verses from Luke. I'll grant you that we have just a glimpse of the shepherd's post-Christmas journey away from Bethlehem, but, but I still think it's both revealing and instructive. The deep-rooted joy that the shepherds carried away with them was kept alive for at least, I think, two reasons. First, the shepherds recognized that real hope was born. Imagine this scenario. You're, you're in a hospital room, suffering from what you've been told is a fatal illness. There's no hope. It's just a matter of time. You're going to die. But then your doctor comes into your room with a broad and unexpected grin on his face, and he wastes no time in saying that he's got good news, great news for you. He's just heard that a cure has been found for your illness. You don't have to die. There's hope. Now, now I don't have to describe the feeling that a moment like this would bring. In fact, it would probably defy words, an experience of absolute exhilaration and joy. But imagine the scene strangely continuing like this. After that grand announcement, the doctor leaves the room and you, the patient, just settle back once again into solemn hospital life. Imagine if you can, despite the good news, your body and your soul just go back to the way things were before the doctor walked into your room. Back to the sad, the dark, the desperate. Well, you can't imagine that, can you? Because after news like that, life just can't go back to business as usual. Everything has changed, or at least it would for any normal person. Hope was born. And real hope, once discovered, is impossible to put away. News that grand and wonderful can never allow life to settle back into a dull or depressing sameness. I once heard about a store manager who made a frustrated comment to the minister of his church after Christmas. He said, what a job. I've got to rid this store of Christmas in just one day. To which the minister replied, my job's harder. I've got to keep Christmas alive in people's hearts for a lifetime. Now, perhaps there's some truth to that conversation, but should people who have really found true hope ever need to be reminded to hold on to it all year long? The angel had said to the shepherds in verse 10, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem. 
What he's saying is, we don't have to die. The cure for sin has been born. The story is told of an old pioneer who traveled westward across the Great Plains until he came to an abrupt halt at the edge of the Grand Canyon. He gawked at the sight before him, this vast chasm a mile deep, 18 miles across and more than 100 miles long. And finally he gasped, something must have happened here. <laughs> Too many of us come to Christmas and we, we just miss recognizing the miracle. The real miracle of Christmas that changes us, changes us forever because something happened there. William Willimon, who was long dean of the chapel at Duke University, tells about an experience during the time when he was there at school. Two students had met during an information meeting for a, for a spring student mission trip that annually went down to Honduras, the second poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. Few students ever went and returned the same way they came on those trips. Well, the young male student said that he and a young lady had met at that information meeting, and after that night, they'd been going out together with things seeming to get great between them. We're going to Honduras together, he excitedly announced to Willimon. And who knows, he said, where it might lead for the two of us. So one day, around Christmas time, when Willimon saw the, the young man walking dejectedly across the campus, he asked, what gives? Boy said, Marianne isn't going to Honduras. Well, I'm sorry. I, I wonder why, Willimon said. She can't afford the time. No, the young man said, Marianne said that her older sister, Clorinda, went down there and it changed her. Made her mom and dad furious. Clorinda said that she got born again down there. Marianne said she got turned upside down. Reflecting upon it all, Willimon writes, a smart young woman to know that proximity to the manger is a dangerous place to be. Because Christmas changes you. If you ever really take a full look into the face of God, you can never be the same again. Or to paraphrase the old pioneer at the Grand Canyon, something happened there. Well, the shepherds left the manger of Bethlehem as different people, hope born anew for them as they witnessed that baby nestled in the straw. If you ever genuinely see the Savior, it changes you. And if you haven't changed, maybe you've journeyed to everywhere but the manger of Christmas. The, the shiny trappings of Christmas will always fade. The glorious Savior of Christmas never. For the shepherds, hope had been born, and they could never be the same again. But there's one thing more, not, not just this hope-filled transformation that the shepherds experienced, but also the story that they told. Now, from time to time, I, I like to look back through family photo albums to, to read old letters or to dig out dusty souvenirs and remember time from the past. But even more fun than just remembering is having someone else around me to tell about some of the old stories that the pictures or whatever I've dug out 
bring back to my mind. And you know, sometimes when I tell an old story to someone about a special memory, it's almost like reliving the past again. Some of the dearest times of life can lie distant, even forgotten, until we begin to tell someone the story. And then the old feelings return, the smiles or even the sadness of moment. And the memory is no longer a dusty or a distant one. It's almost as if it comes back to life again. I remember the time when I first became a Christian. I was I was eight years old when I decided to give my life to Christ. I, I was young, but the decision was not a casual one for me. I, I'd grown up in the church where my dad was a preacher, and a lot of thought had preceded my decision. I remember, almost like yesterday, the feeling that I had after talking to my father about the decision in his church office. I rushed home to tell my mother what I decided to do, and she shared my joy. And then I remember taking a walk down the street towards town. It was as if the trees were greener and the skies up above more brilliant in their blue than they'd ever been before. And when Sunday finally came and I walked down the aisle, it was one of the happiest moments of my whole young life. And I, and I still remember the song that we sang, the tears in my father's eyes and how cold the water was for my baptism. And as I tell you my story just now, I again feel some of the same joy of that far off moment. It's hard to believe it's been 60 years ago, but the feeling is still fresh and the telling of the story help, helps keep the joy alive. If our memories of faith are just filed away, they'll fade as well as a feeling. But when we tell the story, the treasure of the moment comes, comes back to life again. When the shepherds left the manger, they told their story to everyone who would listen. And I have a feeling that that storytelling never stopped for all of the remaining years of their lives. Stories told about an old man who was sitting in his house one day in, in January when he thought he heard the voice of a young boy singing. The old man then heard a knock and slowly got up to shuffle over to open the door. And sure enough, there was a young boy singing, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, along with a chorus full of real gusto when he would do the Gloria, Gloria, Gloria. Well, the old man wasn't amused, and he spoke gruffly. Sonny, don't you know that Christmas was four weeks ago? Today is January 25th, he said, and Christmas has been over for a month. And the little boy replied in an exciting voice, yes, I know, but I had the measles at Christmas time, and I just now was able to finally get out of my house. I wasn't able to do any Christmas caroling this year, so so here I am. Hark the herald angels sing. The crotchety old man grumbled and slammed the door, having mistakenly understood that Christmas was only for one day. Was well, the shepherds left the stable, the record says that they told everyone what had happened. And I really doubt that the only they only told the story just one time, measles, chicken pox, or whatever. Don't you think that every year that followed the shepherds didn't find some way to tell their story? The story of that silent night when their whole midnight sky was filled with singing angels and they hurried to the stable in Bethlehem 
where they got to be the first to greet the long-promised Messiah. That's a story that never grows old and always needs to be told. William Tuck tells about a manger scene that he and his family passed on the way to and from church over the days prior to Christmas. And on the Sunday following Christmas, the family drove by the same site and noticed that the manger scene had been taken down. And noticing the change, Tuck's preschool son, Bill, offered an insightful comment. They have put the Lord Jesus away for another year, he said. They have put the Lord Jesus away for another year. Perhaps the problem with our Christmases is that our manger scenes get too quickly packed away. The, the wonder and the joy forgotten and the story not being told and retold and retold again and again. An old Peanuts comic strip has one of the little girls remarking that Christmas is a time for kindness and joy, a time when we forgive one another. And Charlie Brown's, Brown's response is to say, why just at Christmas? Why can't we be kind and forgiving all through the year? At which the girls look back and Charlie Brown and say, what are you, some kind of religious fanatic? <laughs> Perhaps we'd all stand to be a little more religious fanatics, or at least not to let the wondrous joy fade so quickly after Christmas is over. Somebody's put it this way. When the shepherds left Bethlehem to return to their flocks and their fields, the skies were blank above them, and under their feet once again was only the common earth. No, no more holy ground or angel songs, but there was still glory and still joy. They were back home again, but Christmas was far from over, and there was a story to be told and told and told. During a holiday graduate a break from graduate school, Martin Luther King Jr. delivered a Christmas message at Ebenezer Baptist Church down in Atlanta. Uh, handwritten outlines preserved of his sermon that includes these words. For the past few days, he said, we have made our symbolic journeys and pilgrimages to Bethlehem. We've, we've symbolically knelt before the infant Jesus at the manger. There we have beheld him in all of his grandeur and glory. And in the midst of this sublime experience, we have sung melodious songs that have reached high heaven. Now, as we leave Bethlehem, he said, and make our way back to our various homes, the question poses itself, what did we gain? What is the value of our meeting with Christ? What is Christmas going to do for us in terms of changed attitudes and better social conditions? Will Christmas mean just another item in our social calendar? Or will it mean a new life and new attitudes and better social conditions? After we sung joy to the world, he says, in old little town of Bethlehem, what then? After we have exclaimed peace on earth, goodwill to man, what then? Will we go back home with our same old ways and our same thoughts or will our lives and thoughts be transformed, that men will be able to recognize that we have been with Christ. The real test of the value of Christmas, he says, will not be in terms of how many carols you've sung or how many eloquent words you've repeated. You must go away, he says, with the conviction that God is near. 
The men who beheld Christ in the manger and those who later encountered him were convinced that Jesus brought God nearer to earth. Evangelism at its heart is those who have seen the Savior telling that story to all who will listen long after Christmas is over. I suppose there's always going to be a little letdown after Christmas is over, but the joy and the glory was not lost to the shepherds on the way back to their fields outside of Bethlehem. Harold Thurman, who was a prophetic preacher during the Civil Rights Movement, penned these words. He said, When the song of the angels is stilled, when the star in the sky is gone, when the kings and the princes are home, when the shepherds are back with their flocks, then the work of Christmas begins. Not ends, but begins. In a few days, many of us will go back to the same old jobs, the same old schools, the same old lives, but hopefully not the same old hearts. We have been to Bethlehem. We have seen the Savior. Hope has been born, and we have a story that continually needs to be told. As it was for the shepherds of old, the work of Christmas has just begun. So when you drag your Christmas tree to the corner or pack away all the ornaments into some soon-to-be-forgotten box, don't neglect to remember the manger and the song of the angels. A Savior has been born to us, lying in a manger. Embrace the hope. Tell the story.